Hey, 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 welcome back. I am a man of my word. I have produced the one and only Mr. Mike Grawich. Mike and I have been friends through our wives for... It's been a few years now. Mike, say hello. Hello. Thanks for coming over, buddy. I do appreciate your time. Sure. I know you're a busy man, so... Nah, not that busy. <laughs> how long, busy how long have you been retired now? Uh, retired since 2019. Hey, loving it. So far, so good. Yeah, I bet. I'm looking forward to it. I know I've got some years left and I need to put my time in, but... I am looking forward to one day. I think my goal is to not wake up to an alarm clock. I get it. Is that a pretty good goal to set for retirement? It is a good goal. I will tell you that I got a little bored uh, after a while. But for the first year and a half, I didn't get bored at all. I hear you. I'm sure I will at some point. Yeah. We have known each other for a few years through our wives. Um, But when we get together... It's generally a, a, a couple's thing or a, like a family event. So I haven't gotten to sit down and talk to you about a lot of your career. Sure. Um, people listening. Let's face it. The, the ladies in our life are much more important than we are. Yeah. They, what they're talking about far supersedes <laughs> Absolutely. you and I's conversations generally. Yes. So we, that's the way that goes. Um, I, I, asked Mike to come on here with me. I've been telling you guys about this. Mike, I've been talking about you for a while, so I'm, I'm even more like happy that you came on. Sounds very boring. No, see, everyone says that, <laughs> but I guarantee you it's not going to be. Um, I, got, I, I asked Mike if he'd come over. Uh, how many years? We're going to go into your history. How many years do you have in law enforcement, Mike? Uh, I started as an Air Force cop in 1987. Okay. I don't want to make you feel old. Sure. I was born in 1982. I get it. So you have been in law enforcement my whole, uh, basically my whole entire life. Well, you were five. I was five. So there are so many cases and so many stories that you and I could talk about for hours. And my idea is like start a Grawich series and, oh, and just have you yeah. come back and I, I can bring this stuff You'll to lose you. every listener. No. <laughs> There's just not enough excitement here. Uh, I guarantee you're wrong. I'm going to show you. Um, I, I could talk to Mike for hours and days and months about his career. The The Pam Hupp story we're going to talk about today, um, it relates to, if you are listening here in St. Louis, I'm pretty sure all my listeners are here. They're all family and friends who are trying to support me, but I will freaking take it, and I'm so happy to have them all. And we also have Echo with us in the studio, the studio yeah, being my unfinished basement, as always. Echo always seems to come down and make some noise and make himself known. So Echo's down here protecting Mike, making sure nothing happens to him. The Pam Hupp story was a big one. We have a lot of big stories. You know, St. Louis is especially the city, right? We don't, it's not the greatest place to be. And there are, there, there is crime here just like everywhere else. Everywhere else. Yes. Troy, Missouri, however, and I know it has its thing, but it, it's a growing city. It's a it's a very fast growing city. But this kind of thing have has there been stuff like this? Um, I mean, to this magnitude. I look. I think first off, I mean, there is crime everywhere. Absolutely. And even the safest places have yep. crime, right? Yep. Um, Frontenac, Clayton. Absolutely. Um, even out in the country, country even more country than Troy, right? Has crime, right? right? Um, the fact that what I, my 
experience with this case started obviously there, although our our investigation here in St. Charles County in O'Fallon didn't it uh, it really didn't have anything to do with that case as it related to our victim. Correct. I'm gonna go there. Okay. First, I am so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's why I got Mike here. Like I've been telling you guys, I think this case, um, if you're unfamiliar with it, it is on Hulu. I forget the name of exactly the name of the um, series, but uh, something to do with Pam. If you type in Pam or Renee Zellweger, she played Pam Hupp in that series. So you can go find it. Um, Mike is on the People Magazine Investigates show well I, you did some dateline stuff too right there i there were multiple shows made okay um i was on multiple right. shows about the case it, in my humble opinion i think the people magazine um piece was probably the best of all of them it was really good uh, and it was uh very accurate it was very it just hit a lot of the major points correctly yeah so um if you go so to if somebody Apple, sorry no so if somebody was the first time they've ever heard of it was maybe during this podcast and they wanted uh to get a little more knowledgeable about it i would recommend the people magazine ep- episode okay. because that was i thought the best uh, the most well done. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you can find that on Apple TV. Well, that's where I found it, it was Apple TV and uh, search people investigative, whatever you word it. And then um, it is series six channel um, series six, episode 13. I wow. think either way you can find it. <laughs> Alicia and I just watched it the other night so I could do some homework. That's hilarious. So let's go back a little bit. Why law enforcement? When did that start? Is that a thing for you? Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be a Marine. Did you want to be a police officer your whole life? I did, actually. You did? Um, Ever since I can remember, maybe five or six. Family, uh, dad, uncles? Just a uh, distant relative on my grandmother's side was a... He ended up retiring as a St. Louis City uh, captain. Tough guy. Um, And... I've only met him a handful of times my whole life, but the impression of him as a as when I was a little kid, it was lasting uh, for sure. And I just that is what I wanted to pursue. Guys like that, it just and ladies too, of course, grandmas sure. and so they just it, it's tattooed on your brain. You want to be like that person. So well, I get it. You know, I don't think my time in the Air Force was as satisfying. From the law enforcement perspective, it was the best decision yeah. I ever made as a young guy. For I sure. I really needed that. For sure. I really needed the structure in my life. Yep. Um, and that that exposure to military law enforcement um, just wet my appetite so much more to let that transition into the civilian law right. enforcement, which is really at least in the 80s, the late 80s and early 90s, yeah, was nothing like civilian law enforcement. I mean, in the military, people have inbred discipline. The, the, the things that we deal with, that law enforcement deals with in the civilian world here in the mm-hmm. States, it really didn't compute to my time 
from 1987 to 1981 as an Air Force cop, if you know what I mean, in its totality. Right. Yeah, the basics were the same, you know, uh, locking up the people that violated the law or the UCMJ. Right. Um, advising people of their rights, investigating things properly, doing things the right way. That all translated. And obviously uh, dealing with uh, firearms and uh, rules of arrest and handcuffing people. Those basic things. Fundamentals. Translated. But when I began experiencing law enforcement here in the States, that was real police work. Well, when you're on base and you do something stupid, you know that whoever the MPs that got you, they're going straight to battalion commander. And then that's going to roll downhill. And that shit sandwich rolls downhill in a rough way. So yes, you are absolutely have to abide by the laws of the base or, or like you said, UCMJ or whatever, but right. You know, it is a little different when you're oh on a gosh. military installation. I mean, it's, it's the environment where if you miss work, you can go to jail. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's know, a, it's a problem. A wall or, yeah. a, you know, failure to show or yeah. whatever. Um, it's that in, it's that much of an ingrained discipline sure. in most of the people, um, that are in the military. So yeah, guys on my camp that would get pulled over drinking and driving, whether it was off camp Pendleton or on, one of the things they had to do was stand out in front of our base or Camp Horno where I was at. And they had to stand there in their Charlies with like a sign that said, if you drink and drive, this will be you. So it's like there is punishment involved for sure. And you get busted down and all that stuff. But it, it's a lot yeah. of like your pride and stuff, too. You know, sure. they just they know where to hit you because you look like an asshole standing out on Basalone Road all day long. On I camp. get it. You know, everybody driving like fucking idiot, you know. And, and you know what? You may not change Every Marine's opinion, every young, especially Absolutely. young Marine's opinion of yeah. driving drunk, but you certainly changed that dude's opinion. Absolutely. Of it, right. Yeah. That was embarrassing. That yes. was a rough day at the request of my wife. I doubt it's at the request of your wife, but they could have, they could have come up with this together. But I was asked if I would ask you how you met your wife. Uh, we don't have to say her name or we oh, can if gotcha. you want to. That it's supposed to be a funny story. Um, so oh. I was asked to get that story out of you before we get going. So could you please? Wow. Where, when, how, uh, all that stuff. I don't really see how funny it is as much as I think it's um, divine intervention. So okay. To speak. All right. Maybe that's the way it was put to me. I said Okay. It well, um, yeah, I got to Okinawa, Japan in 1987. And I believe my wife, Siobhan, ended up. Uh, getting assigned there maybe in late 88 or early 89. MP also, right? Uh, SP, yeah, security police. Okay. Then I think they call them security forces now. Okay, yes, they but do. But we were both assigned to the 18th Security Police Squadron, Kadena Air Base, Okinawa, Japan. Hey shout, oh, out. shout out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not called that anymore. Okay. I think it's Security Forces Squadron now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we're, we both had orders there. I... I'm from originally on the east side of St. Louis, on the metro east side. Okay. Um, Siobhan is not. She's from uh, New England. New she England, born yeah. born in Maine, raised yeah. in New Hampshire. Um, so I'm there for a couple years before she shows up, or maybe a year and a half before she shows up. And um, uh, we both were in the same dorm. There was probably about 500 cops stationed there 
at Kadena, and we had our own dormitory, a four-floor uh, large building. Yeah. And it was just like two-door room, just cops. And I was walking out of the dormitory one day, uh, left. Uh, she's standing outside the dorm with a couple of friends waiting for a cab. I'm probably gone for about an hour, hour and a half. And as I walked out, me and my buddy just made like small talk with him. I'm like, oh, what are, you, are you guys new? Where are you from? Blah. Yeah. Yep. And what are you, what are you waiting on? You waiting on a ride? And they were like, oh yeah, we're waiting on a cab. We're going to gate two street or gate one street, something like that. Yeah. And so I come back a half or hour and a half later and sure enough, they're still standing there. So I was like, Hey, still waiting for a cab. Yep. Still waiting. So me and my buddy were like, you want to ride to gate two street? And they're like, Oh yeah, that'd be great. And I'm like, you got to find your own way back. But so long before cell phone days or anything sure. like that, you make the call from the phone right. on the first floor of the dorm. Right. Right. So we ran them up to gate two street, came back and did, went on with the rest of our night. But that was my first meeting of my lovely bride. Wow. So, um, she is it just all kind of took on some, um, some kind of force from there. Wow. When she and her friends processed into our squadron though, the, we had like a, a dorm manager okay. whose job was every day was to just take care of the dorm. Okay. Right. Whether it be the monthly inspections, the who's going to be in what room, that right. sort of thing. Um, when he walked the in-processing uh, group of airmen into our dorm on the second floor was my room, and the room was affectionately titled as Club Illinois. Okay. Um, well, the door manager expressed to all the females that were in the group they might want to avoid that room uh, because Bad the, boys boys. In there, the boys in there could be a little rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I guess she didn't pay attention. She did not so, pay attention. Unfortunately for her. <laughs> wow. So that was what year? Uh, probably early 89. It could have been very, very late 88. That's a long haul, buddy. It is. Congratulations. And shout out. I think we're on 34 years. That's awesome. So. That is awesome. One and done. Yeah. I hear uh, that's, that's my, that's my, uh, saying too. I'm Alicia's it. That's it for me. I got, I, get it. I got as much as I need. All right. Let's get into this thing. This whole story is really weird. There is, I call it a half of this story that you you help me fill in this stuff. The half of this story took place in Troy, Missouri. That was not your, um, is jurisdiction the right word? Your St. Yeah. Charles County. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I'm O'Fallon. I was O'Fallon. O'Fallon. Yeah. which is in St. Charles County. Correct. Okay. So Mike came in a little bit later on in this case. Terrible part of the case. Uh, we'll go into it and you'll see what I'm talking about. But um, I watched that show the other night and took some notes just so I could. My, my goal here is to paint a picture of this fucking monster, Pam Hupp. And then um, I'm going to kind of take you through the first part, Mike and I. And then um, we're going to, I'm going to, you know, kind of just 
turn it over to you and, and we'll fill in the second half and, and how crazy this whole thing ends and how terrible this person was. So um, a man and woman named Russ and Betsy Faria um, got married. She had two girls. Um, Russ raised the girls like they were his own. He never had any children. Um, from all accounts, Betsy was a good, happy person. She, she de- Did you know she was a DJ? She I did not. She DJed like weddings or um, her sister on that show said she would DJ anybody that needed a DJ's party. So okay. it, it, she just like liked music, you know, the type of woman wants to go out and just hang and dance and DJ and shit. So by all accounts, she was a really good person. Um, poor gal. She had breast cancer in 2009. Beat that. Stage four liver cancer shows up in 2011. So it's like... I mean, she had a rough road. No doubt. No cancer is good cancer, but like, Amen. poor woman, you know? So Russ is with her through all this. And and again, by all accounts, they seemed like a normal, happy couple. Of course, everybody has their issues and stuff like sure. that. But there was nothing really that stood out about their relationship that would have, from from the events that I heard, that would have been anything out of the ordinary, really. Um at one point, and I'm, I mentioned this because it kind of comes up later, um, Russ did, he mentioned himself that he had a bit of a temper, okay? And while that's kind of normal, because a person has a temper doesn't quite mean that they are capable of doing what happened to his wife. You know, um, I, I, I would agree with you, but also keep in mind the... Um, the human nature is such that if the right button is pushed in the wrong person, sometimes they do things that we wouldn't really expect of them normally, right? We are capable. Sure. We are all capable, unfortunately, and then sometimes for survival, so it becomes a fortunate sure. thing at that point. But, you know, we are all capable. Um, so one night, Betsy has to go to uh, treatment for her stage four freaking liver cancer, you know, because that's fun, but it's like, you have to do it. So, so she went to her treatment. Um, Russ was into playing games with his buddies. There was a group of like five of them. I think Russ and four other guys. I said, Dungeons and Dragons earlier when I was talking to Mike, he knows a little bit about, I don't think it was that, but it's something similar to it. I believe. And you know, they're just dudes. it, It would be like, playing cards it's just that they liked board games correct you know right. there, there were just some guys hanging out on wednesday night or whatever it was right. if every wednesday night you me and three other buddies played poker it would be in your basement same and exact. that is the same thing we did every wednesday night same thing it's just what girls get together and read books or quilt or drink wine you know i mean it's just a reason for some buds to get together nothing crazy agreed on this night um and and Betsy knew Russ's schedule. She knew that he did this every week or whatever the case was. But, you know, this was nothing out of the ordinary. They did this often. Um, he had asked his wife if she needed a ride home from treatment. She stated to him, no, Pam was going to, Pam Hupp, who uh, they had met. They worked at, oh, shit, some insurance company. Do you know this one, Mike? I don't, but I know they worked together at an insurance company years Oh, State Farm. They were co-workers at State Farm. That's how they knew each other. So Pam's going to bring Betsy home from her uh, appointment. Um, uh, Okay, so Pam's going to bring her home from her appointment. Uh, Russ heads home after the board game. 
stop by Arby's, grab a couple roast beef, solid pickup after Indeed. after a night with the boys. You know, you you got to get something to eat. So he stops by Arby's, grabs some sandwiches, gets home to his house. Um, I have to skip ahead a little bit here to paint a picture for you, but Betsy was in the living room. Uh, the way that this house was set up, it was kind of a ranch style home. Um, so Russ's account of it and the phone call, like he walked in the door and saw his wife dead on the ground. Yeah. Okay. So another kind of interesting thing, uh, when he called as one would, who walked in and saw, I mean, she had a knife in her, you know? Yes. He was, he was just a mess in her neck, in her neck. That is another interesting part of the story too, but he's just a mess. And and he, he stated on the phone on that call, um, to the, uh, what's it called? The operator, nine one one operator, nine one one operator. He stated that my wife, he thought his wife had killed herself. That, isn't that I, I say that to say and obviously he didn't know the extent of the of what had happened to his wife he just walked yeah, in I and kind of like turned around and made this phone call like he didn't stand over and check the thing out you know what i mean he he's not an investigator so he like walks in sees this terrible thing happen to his wife and like makes a phone call as you would you want someone to get there and help your wife i say that he said she had killed herself because um by all reports she had been pulled over in 2010 by a police officer, normal traffic stop, nothing too crazy, but you know, she just made it out of breast cancer. Um, like I said, her other cancer was stage four already. So she had made a mention to this police officer about committing suicide, whether that was because of the pain she's going through. I, I mean, she's a grown woman. I sure. doubt it's because you were doing 38 and the 35 I you know what i mean would agree with you on that, that seems a little much to go to suicide about it's like it's agreed a it's a ticket you're gonna be okay but the mention of that i think is kind of interesting because maybe she had maybe she had made statements in the past you I, can't i can't fill in those blanks because i don't either. know but for him to right away assume that she had killed herself. That, that's why I thought that was an important part of the, of the picture to paint. So maybe, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't uh, agreed, but think of it this way. You walk into your house, maybe it's completely dark, right? Probably. I mean, and all you see is again, you, you said he didn't see the extent of his, no. of all the injuries. No. And he sees the knife in her. And you're probably not thinking correctly. Absolutely Like if not. I walked in and my oh wife my was on God, the floor, man. a bloody mess. You can't imagine. And a knife in her. And of course not. I, don't, I wouldn't be thinking correctly. It's like to even make that phone call would be a mental push. Like how do, who the fuck? What do I, what, I think the phone uh, call part uh, would be easy, but what comes out of our mouths it, might be a little bit right. garbled or not understandable or, or whatnot. Has that, is that something that as a detective over the years, you like that because we'll go, we're going to go into this, but when Pam made a phone call later on in, in, in this story, the, um, the not sentiment of course, but the emotion was very, very different than Russ's phone call. Agreed. Right. So is that, is that, I mean, that's gotta be something that when you have the records of that phone call, a person probably normally generally, 
speaks in a certain tone and with a certain inflection. So let me tell you, let's talk about that for just a second. Please do. We can go. There's a whole body of knowledge and training about analyzing 911 calls. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That is, um, I've been to a couple of courses in it. There's a guy that travels the country putting training on just specifically about that specialist. Um, And it's, it's interesting, but the thing to remember about whether it's analyzing a 911 call or uh, collecting evidence at a crime scene or getting a doing a verbal interview on somebody mm-hmm. or a or a, a videotaped interview um remember that that is just one piece of course everything should be taken in totality absolutely yeah you follow me absolutely so sure analyze an one will call it just because you're putting it through your your checklist of what's good and what's bad generally in a 911 call doesn't mean that if it sounds weird or off that it is. I understand. You can't call a guy guilty or a gal guilty because they don't sound like you On think they should sound. one piece of thing. For sure. Correct. And, you know, I we did a little bit of interrogation type of um, uh, classwork and stuff. And, you know, body language is a, a huge thing you're looking for. And, and there are a lot of different things that go into, um, you know, interrogating anyone but all right so um the investigators come over uh, it's clearly not a suicide at this point there was 55 from what they said what is it is a crime scene investigator the correct way to say that um uh yeah there's there were a number of crime scene investigators there There okay a number of other detective right. personnel there. Okay. The, um, the woman who spoke on that show, I guess they had her on because I think at the time she was the lead and I don't know her name and that's doesn't even matter, but sure. they, um, they, what's it called when you come up with a theory, not a theory. They, they, they figured out that it were post-mortem 55 post-mortem stab wounds. Right. So like after she has, is deceased, they I'll take your word for it. That's this is what they said on the show. I'm there not making go. this stuff up. So. So, I mean, it was clearly not a suicide at that point. There's no way you're going to that extent. I don't think agreed. I, mean, I don't mean to laugh, but that is just horrifying. Um, so Russ is called in for questioning. OK, his alibi completely checks out as far as as far as law enforcement is concerned. There was a receipt from. Arby's. I mean, this thing goes far into it. And folks, please watch the show because I have memory problems. So the stuff I wrote down is only a little bit of it. But sure. I mean, for what it's worth. And then and then Lincoln County did a number of um, they would go from Arby's to the home to try to test out that time frame. Well, you can see and it was stated in that people investigate show that they were doing like way faster than, you know, because, you know, 61, you don't do. Highway 61, I'm saying, you don't do over the speed limit out there. Lincoln County, uh, Moscow Mills, they get you for speeding out there. So, sure. So now, it was it was uh, not during a high traffic. Of course. This was 9-something p.m. Yeah. Right. So so not high traffic. So, so peak rush hour is long over yeah. by 9 p.m. 
they had said this in the in, in in the court though. You know, some of the investigators were the DA, the defense attorney was looking over this stuff like they're doing seventy five. The one officer that he passed on the show, it was a little bit. It, sure, it didn't seem as accurate as as one driving home from their friend's board game night, going to Arby's, getting something to eat. Right. Okay. Anyways, so um, of course he's called in for questioning, um, and he even explained that he asked Betsy if she needed a ride, and she said no. Pam was gonna take her home, and they were gonna stop by her mom's, and uh, this whole deal. So, um. Pam had mentioned about this pillow game that apparently Russ had been playing as of lately, uh, recently in this story. Now, pillow game meaning he was like, sorry, it's not funny, but he was like acting like he was putting the pillow over Betsy's face. Do you know, is that ring a bell? So look, I, there are things about the Lincoln County case that I only learned from third party watching and reading about this afterwards. Okay. Because most people, like, I think you've referred to it as a case, right? Right. You Most people think of it probably the way you do. Sure. Whereas my world was O'Fallon PD. Absolutely. Not, and not that we didn't go outside of O'Fallon to follow up on cases or whatever, because we did. And we had members, all of our detectives were members of the major case squad. I was. Uh, my sergeants that work for me were some of um, them lived out there. Some of them lived you know, out in Lincoln County. You know right? what I'm saying? We've, we're scattered all throughout the, the region. Right. Right. Um, I look at this specifically as two cases. All right. I, my world uh, and the world of the people that were uh, fortunately assigned to me at that time in the detective bureau in O'Fallon, um, our world only, uh, got to intimately know Pam Hupp on August the 16th of 2016. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, obviously we had to have people really dig as far as the generalities of what the Lincoln County case pertained. And I knew a little bit about it because right. it was in the news. Right. Um, I mean, let's face it. This dude went to prison Two for something years. he didn't do. Two years. Um, Two years before the trial. Whether it was local news or I think Dateline had done multiple episodes by the time our right our case right happened. Um, so I knew generally what had happened, but at the time, think about it. If Russ is exonerated and released from prison. Um, Lincoln County still had an open murder on their books. Right. Right? Yeah. Now, whether or not Lincoln County at that time, because keep in mind, fast forward to 2023, the, the prosecutor that handled all that, she's gone. There's yeah. a new prosecutor. Yeah. The sheriff that was in charge of the Lincoln County Sheriff's Department that was there, he's gone. Mm -hmm. There's a new sheriff. So since all that went so horribly wrong, the new administrations out there have since charged her. Yeah. So she's sitting on a yeah. felony murder rap waiting to go to trial yeah. on this thing. Yeah. So again, just painting, painting a quick picture. Um, well, it's not that quick, of course, but until Mike gets in, um, Betsy had recently changed her life insurance beneficiary beneficiary. Sure. From Russ to Pam. 
maybe that was maybe that could have been used as reason to uh, want to kill his wife. Just thought that might have been a part of it. It didn't look great for old Russ. It may not look great for him from from a novice's perspective, mm-hmm. but if you if if an investigator is looking at a dead person and learns that they have a life insurance policy, the the natural progression for that from an investigative point of view is who would benefit from the person dying? Exactly. Correct? Right. Okay. So I, I said it didn't look good for old Russ because apparently a lot of Pam's family and, and, and people who were, um, who, um, what's it called when you, t- I have to ask you all, what's it talk when you talk in court, when you're on the stand, you witnesses. Okay. Sure. Didn't paint a great picture about Russ because they still assumed, I guess in their personal opinion that he was the one that killed their sister. And my, so it, it didn't look great for him. And then a mistress came out. But, and but I, let me ask you a real important question about since we just talked about the insurance, right? Let me ask you a very, very important question about that. If she changed the insurance policy shortly before she died, do you think she got on social media or started hitting everybody up, texting them, calling them, and telling them she changed her life insurance policy? No. So how would he know I that can't is the question? That would have been a question I would have asked. So why, yeah, so why would that have made him so mad if he might not even known about it? Or did they have that conversation? I don't know. Maybe exactly. they did. You know what I'm saying? So and I'm maybe just saying. First, maybe the first time he learned about it was in an interview room. Right. From one of the investigators then that worked there. Right. So I'm saying this was kind of what was painted Got for it. him as another reason why he might. Sure. And then a mistress came out. Uh, he could want to go off and live a new life with his mistress. So that would be maybe a reason to kill his wife. I'm just saying this is kind of what they were leading you up to in the show while he was still number one suspect, you know, th- because it said in there um, that the the prosecutor, and I don't remember her name and I don't, whatever, but her um, name was Leah Askin. Okay. Somehow, some way, Pam was never even put on the stand during Russ's trial. So while she was the last one that saw Betsy alive. And Always every, a good place to start. Everyone knows this. Russ said it. Pam said she dropped her off. Everyone knows that Pam's the last one to see her alive. Yet, whatever the legal terminology, the jargon there is, they she wasn't allowed. Like, they, they had her out of the questioning. So, like, the last person to see her alive was not allowed to get on the stand. I don't know that. I don't either, but but absolute certainty. Again, I got my brush in my hand and I'm painting. So that, so that's a weird thing that I would think she would need to be questioned for sure. As the last person to see the deceased alive. Well, I think she was questioned by investigators. Now, whether or not she ended up not in court, I don't think it was in court. I think they, I got you. And, and, and when they were, when they were questioning her in the, um, in the room at the police station, she, this fucking lady made the mention of something to the effect of, listen, my mom has a half a million dollar life insurance policy. If I was looking for money, there'd be a much easier way to go about than, you know, killing my friend. I don't know exactly how she said it, but she was basically saying like, 
why kill Betsy? If I really wanted to, I could just kill my mom for a half a million. That's a whole lot more than 150 grand. Sure. And she said this, it's on, it's on tape and they showed it on that show. This Got lady it. is so honest and forthcoming about the fact that if she really wanted to make some money off of killing somebody, look, my mom's in her eighties. Like, she's got a half a million dollar policy on me, blah, 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 which that's going to come into play here in a little bit too. But it's just all kind of, just all kind of crazy. Um, then that prosecutor, it kind of came up with a story that, okay, Russ and his buddies, they're at the house playing their game. They're all in on it. Russ and his four buddies are in on it. So, so the picture that she wanted to paint was that Russ took off, went to his house, killed his wife, came back. So now they all say he was there. Then he went to Arby's and then went back home, which that never got any play. And those guys were all not you know, convicted or, or had any part of this thing, but it's just, it was just kind of, I don't know, no, but their reputations were sullied a little bit. I am not going to lie. Um, meaning they're, they had personal reputations or after well, that, of course they did. I mean, if they're, if it, if the a prosecuting attorney for a County is asserting that somehow they're covering up a murder. Oh, I thought you meant they were, I thought you meant they had criminal histories. No, and, no, oh, okay, I, no, okay. I meant they're, I mean, someone's no. alleging that. Right. Th we were playing cards, were man. Yeah. Right. I was just sitting here with Mike. What the fuck are you questioning and, me for? And let me tell you something, Dom. Look, I would say that I've got four people in my life that I would call close personal friends. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, some guy that actually keeps blowing me up on my phone right now. Um, I've known him longer than I've known my wife because we were roommates in Okinawa, Japan. Wow. So, but, so I have four close friends in my life. Of course. I would say, I don't know four people that would lie for me about killing somebody. I don't know one person that would lie for me about killing somebody. Hey man, I'm really wanting to uh, start a new life with Sarah. So what I'm thinking is I'm going to kill Alicia. <laughs> right. Are all you guys cool with saying that I was here? You're, they go, fuck no, you're not getting me exactly. in on your murder rap. So, so that's that's a tough one for those poor guys. They're just playing freaking board games, you know. They're just hanging. So I'm not gonna lie, Dom. I can I just I want to. I'm I don't consider myself an expert in anything. Okay, mm. I'm as flawed as the next guy. Debatable. I, I can tell you this: I have tried to hone my craft over the last uh, well since 1987. Right. To be somewhat good at what I did, uh -huh. right? Whether Whatever capacity I was serving. But I, I will say this. One thing I learned over the course of all those years was the minute you think, the minute you try to zero in on something too soon, you tend to make mistakes. If you don't keep your eyes wide open, your, your mind open to the possibility of, sure, we have general... Uh, theories and motivations about why people have murdered in the past, correct? Mm -hmm. But there is no cookie cutter case, period. So if you are investigating something of that magnitude or anything else, for, quite frankly, um, but if you're investigating the case of them, uh, a case of somebody being dead uh, nefariously, a murder, then you can you can theorize things but the minute you stop just following 
the facts and letting whatever facts you've learned take you to the next step, you're going to make a mistake. Is that right? Every single time. I believe you. I believe you. And that... You guys should see how he's staring at me. And therein lies the problem, in my humble opinion. Right. Right? I haven't forensically gone through the the first Lincoln County caper to point out exactly what was done wrong, when it was done wrong. Um, Quite frankly, my problems existed for crimes that were committed in O'Fallon, Missouri. I understand. Right? Nor am I trying to say that you had anything to do. I'm just, again, just trying to do the background. And I'm sure that I, well, I, many agencies sent people on the major case squad call out for that case. Um, But quite frankly, we had our own problems going on. Sure. And it it really was Lincoln County's problem. Right. Now, if they needed help, of course I would have sent it. Yeah. Other than sending somebody to the major case squad call out, never got asked for any help. Right. There were 132 photos of the crime scene that were lost. Okay, I'll get back to this in a second. Just a, another little bullet point. Um, so Russ ends up getting charged with life in prison without he gets without, charged with murder without right? the possibility of parole. Sure. So he's going for the long one. One juror, I thought this was interesting. One juror stated that um, that prosecutor, the female prosecutor. Yeah. Um, she uh, they uh, it might have been a newspaper. Someone asked this juror after they had deliberated and, and found him guilty, why? Because it only took it was five hours of deliberation, and even that prosecutor was saying that's quicker than a lot of the cases I've I've prosecuted. Sure, five hours on a first degree murder wouldn't that be first degree for yeah. sure? Yeah, absolutely, first degree murder. Um, they had asked this juror something to the effect of why did it? Why was it so quick? And this juror stated that well i've known her and her family for a long time so i knew i could trust that you know the the job she was doing was the the right thing to do thought that was pretty interesting um so and when you say she knew her what do you mean the The prosecutor prosecutor? the juror knew the prosecutor which isn't that not okay to have a juror shouldn't they be screened a little better than that i look i've been on several uh what we call vor dyers where uh both sides the defense side and the prosecution side um, they call board diaring the jury. And that is you ask them questions like, uh, does anyone know any person on either team, right. whether it be the defense team or the prosecution team? Right. Um, that's a very common question. I don't sure. know if it was asked. I don't know if she didn't volunteer that she knew her. Right. I don't know that she, maybe she did. And maybe she said, yeah, I've known the family for years and her and blah, blah, blah. And Somehow she didn't get struck from the jury. I yeah. I couldn't tell you. I wasn't there. Didn't. If I'm Russ looking at life, I would rather that juror not be listening to this trial. I would agree with you. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Because whether or not we think she did it or you think she did it, everybody's entitled to an impartial jury of their peers to right. hear the evidence and decide whether or not. Per the law. I did or didn't do something. Yeah, for sure. Russ's lawyer, uh, his last name is Schwartz. Um, Joel, phenomenal. Joel, you know Joel? Uh, yeah, I know him a little bit. Why does it not surprise me? You know everybody? I, I got, I know him more so from 
like minor cases mm -hmm. over the years and his reputation. Yeah. As well as obviously this case. Yeah. He seemed like a stud on that show. Like he, he seemed like he was good at what he did. Joel gets, he's a very, very, very highly regarded attorney the, it, it, in the St. Louis region. It appeared that way. Yeah. Just his suit and shit, you know, his double Windsor. Just he's the, solid. He just looked like a, he'd go get you. He received an envelope with a CD in it. This was back when everything was on CDs. Um, there was no, no one had, it wasn't from Dominic Masters. It was just, uh, it was mailed to him and he opened it. It had a CD and it said Lincoln County Sheriff's Department, whatever it said. And 132 lost photos happened to be on that disc. When he reviewed those photos, um, okay, you'll fill in this one. When investigators go in and what? Nothing. I have to ask you. You're I, the professional. I know, but I, I, I know you don't know exactly. I'm just saying. Yeah, because I learned about that. The same way everybody else did. I know, but you'll be able to answer my All question. Right, go ahead. When a forensic team goes in to look and see if the uh, crime scene was washed, or I uh, see that's the thing. I don't know all the terminology. Sure. These photos had the black light and you know blood spatter and all that to right. see if in fact. So they were pretty important to Russ's freaking case. Is my point to this whole thing? I would say so. Yes. And during his first trial, they were lost, quote unquote. Well, gotcha. They were, they were never yes. really all that lost because they showed up to short. So somehow, some way, somebody sent these to his attorney. His attorney fires up this case again. Russ's family is able to bond him out. So he gets out of prison. Um, and then the case again, the second half of it, I guess we'll call it, was in 2015 when Russ was finally acquitted of this murder. Right. Awesome for him, of course. Awesome for him, and kudos to Mr. Schwartz because he stuck with this thing like a bulldog the whole time. Right, and there's an unsung hero in there, too. Somebody sent him those photos that sure. whether they felt bad— this is all assumption, of course. Sure. But whether they felt bad about what happened to Russ, who knows, but it's a very lucky thing for Russ that those photos were sent to his attorney. I would agree. I mean, without those— like that. It, it was a huge part of him being able to have like a, a hardcore foundation to start up this second part of the trial. Okay. So those photos, this is what they said. So those photos were, were super important to the whole thing. Absolutely. So he gets acquitted. Um, the judge of the uh, second trial had made some statements to the effect of like sloppy or bad police work, sure. meaning that the photos were lost. It's, I mean, it, it, it sucks. Um, so Pam comes in and is questioned on the second trial. And now she claims that her and Betsy were lesbian lovers. Yeah. I mean, this is where it starts to get fucked up to me. Pam, oh, I think it was fucked up long before that. Very much. But so. yes, I mean, why wouldn't you bring that up from a civilian? Uh, let's just say three or four years into it. Right. Why away. wouldn't that just be? Something that pops right out of your mind. Right. From a civilian watching this show, point from a civilian's point of view myself, I'm going, whoa, wait, 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 wait the fuck a minute. Right. <laughs> it, it would have been a very different story if you brought... Okay, so um, in the meantime, so now Pam is the beneficiary to the 150 grand that yep. Betsy turned over to her. Right. When Betsy died, 
if she was going to die of natural causes, of course, not being stabbed 55 times, right. that money was supposed to be given to Pam to give to her daughters. Pam never released any of that money to her daughters. Nope. Betsy's family, her sister and the daughters, the whole family, takes Pam to court. Correct. There was nothing written from Betsy or stated or anything like that that this was supposed to happen. Correct. There was nothing said that Pam on upon my death you will give my daughters each. Da, 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 da. There was there was there was nothing about that. So the family lost the freaking case to this fucking pig and she was able to keep all of that money. Correct. I mean just um so she kept it from the kids. Uh, they took her to court and lost the case. I wrote the C word on here, but um, yeah, let's not say that. <laughs> uh, yeah. We we can we can bypass that. I'll do it because you know we're not supposed to say that word. But right. I feel very much that way about Pam. I have on my notes here. Here comes Mike. Okay, so how do we how do we begin your half? Can we take a break for just a minute? Sure, we'll be right back. Right on. Okay, we're back. All right, so we I just tried to uh, kind of get you up to speed, folks at home, um, on this case. The second half is where Mike and his department kind of come in. So can you f- formulate a way to, how does this, okay, so now we, we know what happened. Russ is released. We know that he's acquitted. He did not do this. He did not kill his wife, I mean. Got it. Where, what is the next step in this case? So, and you, you keep calling it a case. Oh, shit. I look I'm sorry. at it as different. I don't know the right word. I look at it as two different cases. Okay. All okay. right. So and how does your case start? So my, my life and the life of the people that in O'Fallon that uh, either were in charge of me or the people that were entrusted to me to work in the detective bureau there, our life changed to get to know Pam Hupp really, really well. Okay. In, uh, on August 16th of 2016. Okay. Um, when sometime around noon, uh, maybe a little bit before or a little after, um, a 911 call gets made to O'Fallon Police Dispatch, and the, virtually the, the, the nuts and bolts of the call were that a homeowner, uh, someone just broke into her house, uh, was trying to kidnap and kill her, and... While she's on the phone with the 911 dispatcher, she shoots the intruder. Gotcha. So from that, um, I stopped doing what I was doing. I zoom back to O'Fallon PD. We assemble all of our people that are working that day in the detective bureau. And we, with the exception of one person, uh, descend on the address. Where is this address? I mean, not not specifically, but this is in... This is at uh, Pam's. It turns out this is at Pam's home, correct? Correct. And yes. that is in Troy. No, it's in Old. No, that's Missouri. correct. All right, that's it. That's why you come it's in Old. Fallon, Missouri. Okay. Yes. So you're doing what you do. You get a call, uh, and you guys all meet back at headquarters and say, "All right, Mike, Steve, Jeff, Mike, and Tom, let's get going." Yes. Okay. So you guys head out. Yes. What do you see upon arrival? So as soon as we get there, there's already several police cars there. Um, Pam is in the back of an ambulance being checked out by medics and talking to, uh, the first couple uniformed officers that got there. Um, and we start coming up with a plan of what we need to do to investigate the home invasion, uh, attempt kidnapping, 
attempt murder case that she reported on the 911 call. See, this is such good stuff having you because again, as a civilian, like we don't know what, how you guys go through and start that process. And it's just like, all right, let's go take some photos. And there's much more to it than that. Well, you know, you do the same thing on every case. And that is the first people that get there, they secure the scene. They render aid to anybody who's injured. They try to identify a suspect. If the suspect is still on the scene, they try to take him into custody. All, all those things happen in a, a brief amount of time. Although all those things aren't always present, right? Mm -hmm. If the suspect is no longer alive in this case, um, or has fled the scene, you're stuck with securing the scene, rendering aid to any injured, you know, those sorts of things yeah. that we do on every call. Yeah. Whether it's a burglary, a robbery, a rape, a, a stealing, a murder, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. You do the, it's the same thing. It just evolves on what kind of case it is. Okay. Right? I need to ask you this. When you take statements from a person who has just been through an experience like this, is it like, is that difficult? Because like you were just talking about that, the a home invasion, I mean, a person's going to get freaked out. Most people don't shoot people in their normal. I mean, most people don't ever shoot people. Correct. Can what a person says under that kind of stress, like that might change you know, as they calm down. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Is that, is that pretty normal? That's though? normal. Like, yeah, it is. Of course. So sometimes when think you're, of every victim of like sexual trauma, violent, right. All right. They're, they may not remember everything Isn't initially it? even really because the mind, it's not programmed for that. Sure. The mind is, or the body has just gone through a horrific thing that none of us are intended to ever go through. Right. We're absolutely so, not. We may remember the big stuff, right? But we may forget the or not recall is a better word. Yeah, we may not recall little uh, more nuanced details until much later, right? After all the adrenaline has gone from us, there was right? a tattoo and of a hummingbird on his pinky. Sure, right? You know, you're like, I didn't um, remember that for three weeks. Of course. Wow. All right, so you get on scene. Did you, do you, I know you said the officers that were on the scene already were, were talking to Pam. Did Do you, as part of your job, go talk to her right away and just kind of see, get a vibe? And So here's a couple things that happened right away, and that is uh, the first person on scene um, talked to her, and uh, virtually it's just a very brief conversation, but she's, she recounts what she was telling the 911 dispatcher and um she mentions that the person that is now dead um kept saying we're going to go get Russ's money and mm -hmm. she made the statement to the first officer on the scene mm -hmm. that she didn't know anybody named Russ okay is that's, that right that's correct and so that's again it's it's telling it's a clue but not to be taken. It should be taken in its totality. I right? understand what you're saying now. All right. Okay. So you go into the house. How, how, what, I mean, just so, kind of. Oh, no, 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 no. So, yeah, we cleared the house initially to make sure that nobody else is hurt. Nobody else is dead. But we need a couple things to continue to do everything we need to do while we're there. Right. The, uh, the investigation there. So, and now, of course, now we have two things that we're worried about. 
three really. There was a car in the driveway that was hers. Um, there is the dead guy inside the house. Mm-hmm. There's the house. There's my reported victim in the back of an ambulance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need uh, several things right now. Um, she is re- has reported that a crime has been committed. Okay. She's the victim of that crime. So we want her consent to search the home. Okay. Right. And the car, uh, the whole scene that we've now have secured. Okay. Um, we want, because a lot of, uh, cases involve electronic devices. We want her consent to search her phone. Mm. Um, we are going to, through the course of this day, have her recreate her day to us. Okay. Right. So that having access to her phone um, and her residence to search for things um, to support or debunk her story Uh is very critical. Right. Correct. So she, I, we quickly put a couple of our investigators. We replaced the people in the back of the ambulance with our people. Okay. uh, Detective people. So um, those two guys, get consent to search the residence, get consent to search the phone and ask her politely if, would you accompany us to the O'Fallon police department for a more extensive, you know, conversation about what just happened to you. Mm. Um, and she agrees to all of it. And we transfer her away from the, the scene. We get her talking to these gentlemen that worked for me at the time. And at the same time, she's, consented to the search of her house, search of her phone. Right. We have someone begin working on a search warrant for both as well, because if Dom says, yeah, you can look at my phone, Dom can always revoke that consent. Of course. Right. It was fine for an hour, but I want my phone back. And And you're in it. If I have nothing else, I have to give you your phone back. And my attorney can use that in my defense kit, blah, blah, blah. Correct. Okay. So we, we then had someone begin working on search warrants for both the phone and the house. Okay. All right. Um, so we get uh, St. Charles County crime scene investigation on the way. They're going to do everything as far as seizing, photographing, and future analysis of whatever we find at the scene. Um, we also, shockingly enough, we get um, we we start listening to the 911 call that she placed um, as she uh, killed the guy, as she killed Lewis Gumpenberger. So on the scene, on the scene, we begin listening to it. Now there's a lot going on and the real hardcore analysis of that 911 call didn't come until way later that day. After work, we've cleared that scene after we've, release the scene. Right. So what did you think of it on your initial list? I know you have to be non-biased. I know there are facts. I know you have to have a proper investigation, but as Mike Rowage, what did you think? Cause I have, I, I thought something when I heard it. So yeah, but when did you hear it? Uh, years later. Okay. But when, where were you at? I was in, sitting on your couch in my bed. Right. Yeah. Was there anything else going on? What did you, did you have 
a bunch of emergency apparatus around you? Were you trying to organize? No, 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 no. Who no. was going to seize uh, no, what? I'm who with was, my wife. Right. Watching exactly. a show with my buddy. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. If you are in the absence of everything going on there with nothing going on except you listening to that call, yeah, you hear every nuance of lack of emotion, mm -hmm. emotion at the wrong time. Um, help. Yeah, yes. Just a help. However, look, I, I know how to do things only one way. I know. All right? Yeah. And that is... Follow the facts, follow the facts, follow the facts. Right. The facts will lead us to wherever the end result is. Okay. Um, and we'll either, at the end of the day, prove what we think happened or not, right? And the, once you skip those steps, a lot of bad things can happen. You already said that. And, I, and let I, me tell you something. I believe I, you. I just, I know one way of doing things. Yeah. And that's the way. It's proven pretty. My people had to do them. And. That's the way they would have done them anyway. I was very fortunate that this, our case involving mm -hmm. her, that wasn't Mike Grouch doing any of that. I hear you. That I had, I was so blessed, man. I had the best squad of people. It, it really, I mentioned divine intervention earlier yep. about meeting my, yep. my wife. Um, this was divine intervention as far as my humble opinion goes. Right. Because... I had the best squad of men and women that worked for me that a guy with the responsibility of investigating crime in a city mm -hmm. could have ever had. That's important. I, I, all my people were solid. Yeah. Some were better at X than Y. Right. Some were better at uh, doing uh, interviews with uh, defendants or suspects than others. Some were better at working on electronic aspects of a case. Some were better at fr following fraud aspects of a case. But el every one of my people were just had their place. Lock solid. It's awesome. Good, honest, hardworking. Stay as long as we have to. Um, it letting it just be what it is. Do the right thing. Not right. trying to a square peg into a round hole ah. or massage something into being something that really wasn't facts um it just was yeah it always was what it was right on and the people that work for me they probably got tired of hearing that yeah and they probably got tired of hearing follow the facts follow the facts follow the facts well it seemed to work out a buddy of mine is a firefighter and i i asked him a long time ago when you come up on to uh, an accident and and the terrible things you have to see mm -hmm. when you when you go onto a crime scene like that, do you have to leave emotion? I mean, compartmentalize that stuff crazy and just like, do you have to leave emotion so you're not skewed in a way that like, how could you do this to a, just facts? I mean, yeah. did, did you have to learn that well, over you, the years? Like, well, you have to. Right. Right. You can't be, you a, know, the first time you see a, like a, a four month old that is going to be, like carved up for an autopsy. Right. Um, it, it changes you. Fucking right. The first time you, you deal with a dead body and you're rolling it to check to see if there's any wounds in the, the portion of the body you can't see. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course it changes you. Yeah. You, I always tell people you can't unhear it. You can't unsee it. You can't unsmell it. The smell, man. And, but dude, you, you, 
myself and the people that worked for me, mm-hmm. or I hate that expression. With you, but I hear you. Yeah. Um, it just so happened that I was in a position of authority. Absolutely. And they were entrusted to me. Right. Right. Those, the people that I worked with, that we'd, we'd done so much, we're long past those days. Yeah, for sure. Right. It is, it's, I can't say it's just work. It's important work. It's uh, crucial to um, solving whatever problem we're there for. Uh, it, you, of course, you still know this is a dead body, sure. but you have a job to do. Yeah. And nobody else is going to do it. Yep. The right. S- the smell thing I can relate to, you know, I remember the first ones I saw overseas and it's just like, it, it's one of those things where I can remember. It how, changes you. Yeah, right? I can remember how he was laying in the street and I, sure. I just, I can, you, I know what you're saying on that one. I can relate in a very not civilian American way, right. but in the same type of way. So of, I get, that. of course that's, and you're changed forever. Oh yeah. 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 One way or the other. Yeah, sure. But the, at least, for example, in this case, it wasn't the first time any of my people of had course ever not. dealt with yeah. someone who was deceased. Right. Or deceased in a violent way. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm going to ask you this one, and I know facts, facts, facts. See, now I'm, I'm learning. I'm being, you're training me like one of I your guys. It. Yes. Did that, when you first approached Lewis Gumperberger, that, that's his name, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. When you first approached his body in that hallway, did that piece of extra carpet stand out to you was there any like like i know facts 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 but i'm yeah. saying when you walk up on it are you like huh did, did we notice it yeah we noticed it um it was convenient that it was there so however i i wasn't thinking about really the convenience of it at the time i hear you but um, looking back it was like huh that's kind of different yeah it was very different not unusual though when you Sorry, just to see a piece of carpet like that. Um, I've been into a hundred houses that they just had their carpet redone and they kept one piece of the same carpet. Yeah. Right at the foyer. Yeah. Well, and they have runners going all through like the main traffic areas of their home. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. All right. So where should we go to next? What, what do you think is, um, do we go back to the police station? Do we talk about Lewis Gumpenberger? Um, what do you think's the next? So the logical thing is to take it chronologically for me, right? Okay, let's do it. So we've, but I've got multiple things going on at the same time. I understand. I've got people back with her at the O'Fallon police department interviewing her, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I've got the crime scene that's being, um, handled by, crime scene investigators from St. Charles County, as well as the, the person that r- is the affiant in the search warrant for the house that we're going to seize this, all this stuff, whatever it is we find um, based on. And we also have investigators that are out looking for uh, witnesses or doorbell camera evidence from around the crime scene, mm-hmm. from around the neighbors. in the neighborhood, yeah. right? Yeah, um, it's very important to get that as quickly as we can. Sure, to start um, giving us an idea of the enormity of what we have. Okay, where was the husband? Husband was at work. Okay, normal normal day. Yep, he was at work, and he ended up coming. Uh, I won't say to the scene because he wasn't allowed in the house. Right, but he met. A couple of my personnel, a couple of my detectives at a nearby location outside of the original 
or the uh, the immediate crime scene, right? And then talk to them. Okay. So so on that show, what I got was her story. Um, I'm going to say it my way, and then I'm sure I'll miss something. But sure. She was approached. She was getting in her car. So let's let's please do. I know where you're going. I'm going to fuck so, this up. This is why. I'm All right. So here. let's let's do it this way. Okay. So basically, what she this tells is your podcast now. Run basically, it. what she tells our guys. Okay. Is, um, is she's out running around all day or all morning, um, basically driving by thrift stores. Okay. All right. And now she makes it very clear to the people that are interviewing her that that are in the room with her interviewing her that she. Now she didn't stop at any of these thrift stores. Um, she was just driving around looking at different thrift stores. Mm -hmm. um, she does say that she, when she left her house to start this round of thrift store looking at or whatever starter day, right? She stopped at a gas station, got a soda and then went off to all these different locations. And she kind of verbally tells us, um, the route she took. Okay. Right. So a couple things jump out at me there. She's, she's telling us where we can go look right for, to, to reinforce her story or alibi. Right. Um, or blow it out of the water. Right. So we learned that crucial piece of evidence, um, or those crucial pieces of evidence. Mm -hmm. And at the same time that we're learning all that, we're processing the crime scene with the CSI people. At some point, um, I've got my detective sergeant there. I go back to O'Fallon PD and kind of get a glimpse of what, how the interview is going because we've got the room set up with video and audio. Okay. So I get a glimpse of how that's going. It's going fairly well. It's we're, Pretty normal so far. Yep. Pretty normal so far. Um, and we ended up seizing several pieces of evidence at the crime scene. We got a very good first interview of um, our victim, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and it's going about as well as it could go. Okay. Do you remember seeing the knife in her car that he apparently... Yes, yeah, so... One of the crucial pieces of evidence that we got from the scene was um, a knife that she alleged that Lewis was threatening her with. Right. 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 And the threat was what? The threat was, you know, take me to the bank to get Russ's money. Right. 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 Um, and then her story is she knocks that knife out of his hand and the knife falls where it is in the car. Pretty convenient. Which, yeah, it was nice and neatly positioned in between the center console and the passengers, the front passenger seat right. of the vehicle. Does this, I mean, at some point, I'm, I'm, I know I'm fishing here, but does this jump out at you? No, there's, you're not fishing for anything. Yeah, it jumps out at me. It does? Sure. It has to, right? Like, of course. If I'm going to attack somebody, I don't know how to attack somebody with a knife, but I'm saying it, it, it seemed awfully, it seemed, no, I don't, I forgot. It seemed awfully um, conveniently placed very nicely and neatly, like you said. Yes. When do. So, and keep in mind something else. 
We didn't know who um, Lewis was. Uh, okay, initially, G- good point. Right? He, he could be. An we assaulter, didn't know who Lewis was. But y- yeah, he could have a long, extensive criminal history for assault, robbery, rape, murder, kidnapping. Which um, bring which brings up because he good. had no identification on him. Right, he didn't have a whole lot on him at all, did he? No, and until the CSI personnel rolled that fingerprint right. and got an, an APHIS hit on that fingerprint, that's when we learned who he was. Okay. And then, so what do we have? We have another aspect of the case. Follow the facts, right? Yeah. So we have another aspect of the case we have to start looking into. We have to learn as much as we can about him. Yeah. Right? Because as of right now, he's the... Yes, if aggressor. You, if one were to believe her story, right, right, then he would be our prime suspect. Okay, who is now dead? Dead. Five of them. Didn't she shoot him five times with that little? I believe so. Revolver. When does whomever find the receipt for the knife in the trash from Dollar General? I believe it was Dollar General. Was that a little bit later on? So, I mean, we're not maybe not digging through trash quite yet. Okay, so we we I don't I don't recall us ever finding a receipt in the trash or anything like that because I don't think that happened. It was uh, on the I, show. I know. I think you got. I think he misspoke in that. Oh, okay. Portion of okay. The show. Good to know. Here, but here's what we did do. Um, we CSI did a great job, of course, photographing. Every aspect of the inside of that house. Yeah. All right. Um, one of my personnel did a really great job identifying who sold that knife. Right. Um, because the knife didn't match any. We looked to see whether or not it matched any knives. Of course. House, right. Um, it was odd that the way the knife was found in the car was exactly the way she kept her knives in the kitchen in between the counter and the stove. Um, and if one were to be in the driver's seat of a vehicle and put a knife, I'm just saying in that position, the handle was, it, it would have been, the blade was down. The handle was up. Correct. Right. And there was only one fingerprint on that knife. Is that right? Yes. So they said in that show, they showed a photo of the receipt. Now, I don't know if this was stock footage that they do sometimes in Hollywood, but sure. they, they were able to trace that back to the Dollar General that so, she had purchased it from, and that exact same knife was still on the rack. Like, Okay, so I, I recall us taking um, trash, yeah, right? Yeah, but one of my guys figured out who sold the knife. There you go. And there was only one retailer of that knife in this area wow yes um and it was dollar tree dollar tree or dollar general i could have fucked that up but yes it's dollar tree um and that features prominently later okay um so we begin i love this yeah so we begin um the and this is not even the first day right that's that's down that's second or third day stuff because first day um, the first day ends with Pam and Pam saying that she would like to talk to her husband. Sure. All right. Who by this time, her husband is got a lawyer and is in our lobby. So we're like, absolutely. Of course. And so Pam, not only did she consent to let us search her phone, search her house. Um, she gives us her clothes that she was wearing. We have 
clothes brought from her house yeah. up so she can put something on. Right. Um, th- about the only thing she doesn't consent to is like a set of fingerprints. All right. So she says, I want to talk to my husband. We let her talk to her husband who also has a lawyer there. And they kind of all three agree. This is enough for today. So she leaves. Mm-hmm. We let her, we let her leave, but we are still at her house and they're not allowed to go there very much until we're done with the crime scene. Right. Right. Um, at the end of the day, we've seized a bunch of evidence. We've, we've got that first really good long interview with her, um, where we now have things we can go verify Facts. or not verify. Right. Yeah. Um, the route that she said she took, um, a, a myriad of things. Of course. So, but one of our, Main objectives at this point is we have a dead person on our hands. Yeah. Um, we have her story of what she says occurred and we still haven't notified a family member of Lewis Gumpenberg. Right. That he's deceased. Right. All right. So then, so that w- one aspect of that is it's not just enough to do a criminal history on the guy or dig up as much as you can on social media. You want to interview his family. You want to talk to his mom. You want to talk to his dad. You want to talk to his brother. You want to, did he know Russ? Correct, it, it, right? You know, we we want to know. We want to as thorough and complete picture of this supposed yeah. attacker who this dead as person we is. could get. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um. Well, we can't find anybody, and we're we've we've found out a lot about him, but we haven't found a family member yet. We're going to all his past residences that we can find. We're not finding anybody that is related to him yet. Really? So day one ends with that still having to happen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're late into the night at this point. Yeah. And we send everybody home basically saying, look, here's, we all know who this chick is now. And, I can't have any pillow talk. I can't have any, this, we need to keep a lid on this as much as we possibly can. Um, it's going to get bigger than everybody clearly in this room, but we're not going to be throwing out any theories. We're not going to be throwing out any facts. Nothing. Yep. It's, we are going to do our job. So go home, take a shower, get a little bit of sleep and I'll see you back here bright and early. So, so night shift secures the crime scene. No, we released the crime scene about, mm, I want to say about 1030. Are they, um, are they able to go back in their home at that point? I don't think we totally released it by then, but we were pretty much done okay. with what we needed to do there. So, so, so we break everybody for the night. Um, come back first thing in the morning. Number one thing is on the list is, we need to find the next kin. We need to make death notification and start learning what they can tell us about Lewis, mm-hmm. right? So, hey, real quick, when you get home to Siobhan, so you just said, oh, like, she's dead asleep by then. Well, but I'm saying you can't talk about this kind of like. I, I generally, you guys don't. I don't talk about anything, but I could have talked to a, okay. her about it. Okay, and she wouldn't say a peep, of course. But, um, look, I'm telling my people not to do it. I understand. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Okay, um, day two. Day two. We need to All find right, bright, who this guy we're, is. We're we're bright and early back in the in the office, and so I we've got a couple teams that we're gonna put just on that. Right. All right. 
if we've got other teams that we've got doing a myriad of other things. Sure. Like we're still looking for video. Yeah. We're still looking for, we're knocking on, going door to door, looking, asking if somebody has ring cameras or whatever doorbell cameras. Um, and the team that ends up finding Lewis's mom goes to an address in St. Charles, um, Cedarbrook Apartments. Okay. Um, and they're both named Matt, Matt Wolf and Matt Myers. They sure enough, they knock on the door, they find his mom, and we learn that his mom just ended up putting him in as a reporting him as a missing person to St. Charles City PD. Wow. Um, so we, the, my guys explained to her exactly what we know up until this point. Right. And initially, her first response is something along the lines of, is the lady okay? And then as we talk to her, and she's, obviously, we give her time to collect herself because she just learned that her son's her son, dead. Right. Right? Right. Um, we start learning about after she calms down as much as can be humanly of possible, course. right? Of course. Um, we start learning about Lewis. Well, Lewis was in a car crash, which we, we knew um, from the research we had already done. Mm-hmm. And she tells us that he had a traumatic brain injury in that car crash that virtually turned him into having the body of a 80 year old and the mind of like a 14 year old yeah, or a 12 year old, yeah. something like that. Uh, well, we, from when I, when we get that call from either Matt Myers or Matt Wolf, one of the two, uh, we know with absolute certainty what she's alleging to have happened from Lewis couldn't have happened. He couldn't jump out of a car that just let him off at the street, run up to her, jump into that car, um, produce a knife, control her. um, That's some tier one operator. Follow her into the house. Right. And then get shot right there trying to get in. It just couldn't have very sketchy. Yes. Well, not, not just sketchy. He physically and mentally couldn't have pulled that off. Right. Yeah. The mom said in that show, he often sat on the front porch, kind of smoking cigs and just kind of chilling out, you know, chilling. Um, so now things are a little, well, things are, things have gone from keeping all of our theories going. Right. Right. Not discounting anything. Yeah. Um, to it's impossible for him to have done what she says he did. Can you say impossible in that in, to yourself? I can say you impossible. Can? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so where do we go from there? Yeah. We got to prove it. Where do we go from there? We got to prove it. That the, the work don't stop there. For sure. It's just starting. For sure. Right? Yeah. Um, day two, which I always call day two, was a very, very important day. Yeah. Um, Sounds like it. We Number one, we couldn't even put out a press release with his name in it before that time because we hadn't found a relative, right? Right. Of course, we could say well, a, a person is dead. Some guy. Right. A, a, a male subject is dead, but right. we couldn't say who it was. Right. Um, and quite frankly, I wasn't all too keen about saying it anyway, but um, until we were ready to say it. Of course. So we've... We learned that he p- couldn't possibly have um, 
murder or, or tried to murder <laughs> Pam in the way that he, she alleged that he did. Yeah, he couldn't have done most of the shit that she alleged. Couldn't have done it. So we begin finding out way more about Lewis than we hope to at, at that point because mom is so informative. We find out where he he used to work at what we called a sheltered workshop. So it's for people with mental or physical yeah. uh, challenges, sure. right? And it, we found a wealth of knowledge from the people that worked there that knew Lewis. Um, and they were, they explained to us exactly what mom, how mom had described him, um, his physical capabilities, his mental capabilities. And now, then it was just continuing to follow the facts. And, you know, there's no such thing as a good murder. No. All right. But when I, if I use the word, a good case just kept getting better. Right. All right. Because that was, to me, the first time that in my heart of hearts, I unequivocally knew what happened. We had things that didn't match up up until this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The call that didn't Loose sound. Ends. The call that didn't sound so good. Yeah. Um, the knife that was perfectly placed where it was. Right. But again, I don't ever put a lot of stock into one aspect of anything. Right. Um, Towards the oh afternoon of day two, we had another giant break in the case, and that was St. Charles County Police Department showed up our showed up at our station saying that a week prior to Lewis being murdered, um, a lady in a in a area trailer park um, had a weird encounter. A weird encounter with a lady that remarkably sounds just like. Pam, a woman named Carol. And we're going to get back to Carol because she plays another part in this thing later on. Okay. So as soon as the County police department leaves our place, uh, well, we ask them while they're there. I'm like, Hey, do you guys want to go there with us? I mean, it's your lead. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I ain't here to steal anybody's thunder, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Oh no, you guys go handle it. So (laughs) I get two people to talk to her and one person, to worry about just her video surveillance system. Okay, right. All right? Right. Um, So they go meet with Carol Alford at her house. She gives a story about um, she's outside with her dogs one day, uh, a week prior, and this lady who says she works for Dateline is driving this uh, dark-colored Acadia. Acadia, right. Yes, um, oh, it's etched right here. Bro. I bet. Um, dark colored Acadia. And she asked her to be in a, uh, an episode of Dateline and all for money for a thousand dollars. And initially, um, she's Carol has got some suspicions, but it's a thousand dollars and initially agrees to go do the the shoot or the film, the filming of Dateline. Yeah. They were going to record lady. a phone call that a had a script, call. right? A 911 yes. call that had a script. Can, yes. we, can we talk about this for a minute? So sure. if you're, if you're Carol and again, we're just doing guesswork and we're just acting like normal people, not necessarily detectives or investigators. If, if you're at your house yep. 
and someone says like, hey, I work for the St. Louis Cardinals. We were wondering if you were to, wouldn't you want to see something? I mean, I'm not saying Carol did anything wrong, of course, but like it just to me, like, get the fuck away from my house, weirdo. You know? You know what, though, dude? I'm me, right? I know. And you're, you're right. You. You're right. Right? You're right. Hey, look, I don't even have time for salesmen that come to my front door. It says no soliciting. Not, I don't I don't need to be an ass to them, but uh, the odds of them selling me anything are less than zero. Yeah. Dude, so I appreciate it. Is there negative a million? Because that's that would be the the odds of me buying something at my front door. Unless it's like some little kid selling candy bars or popcorn or whatever. Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, yes, of course. I'm in. That's another, that's something totally different. <laughs> right. But if a siding guy or a roofing guy or any guy yeah. wants to come sell something to me at my front door, it is not ever going to happen. I say, I appreciate, I appreciate what you're doing, man. I know you're out here trying to work. Yep. But the next house would probably be better. Same off. with cable. Same with anybody. Right, right. right? I don't need it. I yes. would call you. If, if I, I didn't, wasn't happy with my cable provider anymore, I would call them. I'm not waiting on some and, dude to show up. Correct. You know, so, so Carol but, gets But it. I'm not Carol either. Right? I, you're right. You're, you're and Carol doesn't right. live where I live. You're right. And her circumstances, her circumstances may have been different. Thousand and it's bucks, a thousand dude. dollars cash. Um, hey, I get it. So Carol gets in the car with her. She does. Okay. And what happens? What She gets in the car with her, but she, yet she doesn't have shoes on. Yeah. All right. And she's a little she, suspicious. She, she says. is. Yes. And thank God she's got some street smarts. Absolutely. She puts a couple of knives in her. She's wearing a hoodie sweatshirt. Right. And she puts a couple of knives in her hoodie. She did. Um, she says she did. Yeah. They, they didn't and say I got that no on reason, the show. I got no reason to disbelieve Good her. for her. All right. So as they're leaving, she, her, her spidey senses continue to go off. And she says, Hey, you know what? Can you take me back to my house? Um, I need to, I forgot to grab shoes. Right. Oh, and I think she explains it, that Pam tried to talk her out of it, whatever. Yeah. Like, Oh, we won't be gone very long, blah, 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 blah. And, but then eventually Carol convinces her to take her back to her car. She's going to grab some shoes and then they can go do this. Right. Her spidey senses were so good. At that and so off the charts at that point, she gets out of the car, um, never gets back in the car. Tells Pam, "Hey, look, I'm I'm done with you. I'm calling the police. Um, and look, I've got surveillance cameras right here. Yeah, and Pam buggies." She almost gets out of the vehicle. I know. She almost you, I know you saw the footage, yes. but they showed well, it on that show, and it was like she stuck her head out. And, and then, let me tell you something. I can't remember. My guys are. I've got a couple of investigators at her house talk or at her trailer talking. Carol's right? right. Yes. Okay. Uh, so there is there just they they call me like, hey, look, this is good. This is, you know, we a case that couldn't get better is now getting even better, right? Um. They describe what they've watched on the video on her surveillance system. And I'm like, well, there's no doubt. I mean, this is, she's lucky to be alive. Like, come on. She would have been, she would have been the yeah. victim. Right. So she agrees to come back to our place or to the O'Fallon police department and give us a very good detailed account of how that day a week ago transpired. Really? Right. So one of my people stays seizes the video the other two bring her back here or back to our place and begin interviewing her a long good long extensive very very complete um interview and she's you could tell she's 
she's a savvy, got a little bit of street smarts, yeah. very, but very articulate, very clear about what she experienced that right. day. And she had called the St. Charles County Police Department and reported all this, but um, not a really not not a lot was done with that. All right. Yeah. So while she's uh, at the O'Fallon Police Department doing this interview, we put a photo array of people in front of her and she looks to the photos and Pam Hupp's photo is one of the, the six photos and she picks her out immediately. No way. Yeah. So once we get done with her, she goes on her merry way. Um, we take her back to her um, mobile home and we tell her, look, this is, this is a big case and I don't think you're in danger, but the probably the the less said about this from you, the better we are. Um, and we had said the same thing to Lewis's mother, and gosh, for a good long time, we we were good in both of those. Uh, but eventually, the you know media found out who they were and they interviewed them and all that good stuff. But by that time, we had already gotten everything we needed to get, and it wasn't going to destroy anything or compromise any aspect of the case. Right. And in the meantime, man, I, I have to give a shout out to uh, the sheriff, Scott Lewis at the time. He's still the sheriff now, but um, the sheriff at the time, he agreed to put 24 hour security on that lady's on Carol's house. That's awesome. Um, knowing that we, man, we were stretched to the max manpower wise. I'm sure. Um, with, because, Day one and day two doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. We worked our people seven days a week for probably a month. Is that right? It took a long time to get to the point where it felt like it was just a normal day coming to work. Yeah. Yeah. Is there I, I, excitement is the wrong word because there's a person who was killed here. And, of course. But is there... Um, is, is, does that emotion start playing in? Like we're fucking, we're, we're the okay. balls rolling, the balls rolling here. Here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll describe it this way. When you know that you could, when you get to the point where, you know, as long as you keep doing exactly what you know, works is going to put someone that just murdered a person in prison for the rest of their life or get the needle. It's, I don't know that I would call it excitement, but you are ready to take it to the next step. Absolutely. And the next step and the next step and the next step. And it somehow makes those 22 hour days a little easier um, to deal with. I can only imagine. Does that make sense? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine what you're saying, but yeah, I, I, yeah, you're, you're approaching on, you know, trying to finish this thing and and, sure. and put a bad person away or or hopefully the needle, but you know. Right. So, okay, we know uh, Lewis Hold is, on. Please. All right. Take it, man. So, early, I'll turn my mic off. So, look, even so thinking that a case could never get any better, we get a call from the one of the CSI people, the county CSI people that process the crime scene for us. Okay. All right. And we, we took a lot of, we, we took several pieces of evidence that day um, from the house, but we all, but 
County crime scene is also very, very good at what they do. Sure. And they've processed hundreds, thousands, however many crime yeah. scenes they've processed. Right? This is what they do. But even when they're, even though they might be seizing particular pieces of evidence, they also photograph the entire house and possibly things of value that we're not going to seize, but we want to make sure that, or they want to make sure that they're protecting themselves and us. Okay. By if there's a million bucks in there, they photograph the million bucks. Absolutely. And then they photograph it when we're done. Right here in right? this drawer. There you go. Has it moved? Well, they, they did find a sum of money. All right. And they photograph this sum of money and they laid out every bill and photographed it. Wow. Well, when we finally get to the point on day one where we went through Lewis Gumpenberger's pockets, we found a note, right? Mm. And we found cash, all right? Uh, he had $900 cash in his pocket, and he had a note. And the note was basically, um, it was written like you were writing me direction on what to do and it mirrored Pam's story. It was a script. Right. So, however, when CSI says, hey, we, we've got something that's going to blow the lid off this thing. We want to come talk to you about it. Come on ahead. Please do. I, I can't imagine this getting any yeah. better, but come ahead. So, when they show up, they've got these this this money all laid out and they photographed the serial numbers, right? And they then compared the serial numbers of the money in Lewis's pocket with the money still at the house. No way. And they were sequentially numbered. Oh. And the we called somebody from the Secret Service to figure out what the numerical um, chance of that being. Unless Pam was at the same bank, Lewis is the next person in line, they're both getting cash, and what would the odds be? Not they were astronomical. Not happening. Right. So it was just part of the case Another. that just kept getting more and more clear to prove. Now, did the money that was photographed at Pam's house, was it missing 900? Like, like, or were you able to determine that? Or does a 900 not really mean so much? It doesn't much? really mean much. However, there was a bank envelope there that was also photographed that did have... Withdrawal. Like, a, I, it's been a long time I hear you, since brother. I looked I hear at you. that. I hear you. But there was some figures written on it, which made sense after the fact. Wow. Yeah. Because... If she were to go to a bank and get, let's say the amount that was photographed was 10,000. If you go to a bank and get that 10,000, do they give it to you all numerical? Not necessarily. It, it depends on what, uh, what the pack of money is, okay. right? Okay. Because if you've ever, like I just went to on vacation not too long ago. Okay. Right? And I want, I always take a couple of grand. Sure. When absolutely. In cash. Absolutely. Now, but if the machine that you've seen a, a teller yeah, counter. that that the machine spits the money out yeah. or they're like, I don't have enough in my drawer to get that. Um, they go get a stack and bring it back. So they have enough to make the transaction. Finish right? It, right. Who knows? So, okay. All right. But again, that only goes in the favor of this is impossible. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. The, the odds are astronomical. They're yep. not enough zeros. It doesn't work. Correct. So let's talk about this letter. Yep. It said on the show that they brought Russ in. 
and to write it both right and left handed. Hold on. Okay. All right. So the, we knew early on that we we needed to talk to Russ, but Russ has already been through been some through shit. the ringer, man. Yeah, man. So again, I gotta come talk to you guys about my wife. Right. Right. So we reach out to um, Mr. Schwartz's office. He thinks about it, but he he lets us he gives us permission to interview Russ, and he he can't make the first meeting. He, so he sends one of his um, associates. Yeah. Um, and Russ, we learn a few things. We learn how his day went that day, where he was, those sorts of things. Um, we eventually, after the two interviews are complete, we've got um, the option. Or we, we had the ability to look through his phone. Um, we had a handwriting sample collected from him. And then... Uh, Russ also agreed to take us back to his parents' home, all right, where he was staying. Okay. So, because the note, um, in the note, it, ver it if you were going to read the note like it was an actual note in a case where someone was writing out exactly what he wanted Lewis to do, it said, you know, go to, go to Pam Huff's house. This is what she looks like. This is where it's at. Um, Take uh, make her take you to the bank to get um, the, Russ's money. Russ's money. It should be it should be one hundred and fifty thousand. Right. Um, then when you're done, uh, kill her and leave the knife where it was in Betsy, which was in the neck. Right. So, it, it, a pretty elaborate, I'll say. Um, plan right yeah um well it also talked about where to put the money at mama faria's house in the wood pile okay so one of the reasons we wanted to go back to where russ stayed or lived um it just happened to be at his mom's house was to get a glimpse of what the house how the house was set up, was there a wood pile, blah, 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 blah. Because if there was a wood pile, if it was described how it was in the note, yeah. then clearly by now we we know that Pam was had murdered him. We she had to be there, right? She had to get a look at this house, right? You would think. Okay, so when one of my investigators is talking to Russ and going through the house and finding out some details about his day and such, um, we there's an we have another investigator that's there also, and he notices that there's a um, video surveillance on the neighbor's house. So he goes, introduces himself. The neighbors say, "Oh yeah, you can look at our surveillance system." Um, and sure enough, the day that the day that Carol was nearly abducted and murdered, you see a vehicle that looks suspiciously like Pam Hub's car yeah, drive up and down that that street. Wow. And we seize that video. So th this thing plays out until, and in the meantime, dur during all this, during all these days of investigation, we've asked the prosecutor's office multiple times, look, it, we got to go lock this girl up. We, we, we want a warrant issued on her, blah, 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 blah. And they always are t asking us to do one more thing. Yeah. One more thing. And yeah. if you know anything about <clears throat> prosecutors, 
They want it all, baby. Yeah. They want it gift wrap. Solid. They want uh, a carload of nuns with as witnesses with video. Right. I mean, it's just, th- but they they're envisioning this case three years from now. Okay. Not right now. Okay. So we finally get to the tipping point where it's we've convinced them we got to do it and we got to do it right now. Yeah. So we we take her off, we lock her up, um, and there's a bag of trash in the back of her car. And what's in the bag of trash, we write a search warrant for the car, we write a search warrant for the bag. And what's in the bag of trash, it's things that I don't think you would have thrown, you would have thrown away or I would have ever thrown away. She had court documents from the first Faria trial or from one of the, from the Faria trials. She had her, she was throwing away her mom's death certificate. Um, it was just very, very, all very odd um, garbage because O'Fallon, like many municipalities around here, they have city trash collection, right? Yeah. I don't ever take trash in your car somewhere else to throw away. No. I throw it away in my garbage dumpster, and then every Tuesday and Friday, St. Peter's is kind enough to pick up my trash. It's beautiful. Right? <laughs> so it, that was odd. So we seized it, and that it became something that would become later important. Um, but once we locked her up, it that was kind of a load off my mind. I didn't, I, I, I 100% believed no one else in that town was in jeopardy by her being at large. Right. But at some point, that needed to occur. I mean, yeah. Um, we had a press release. Oh, sorry. We So after we get her back to our, our police department, um, we're going to attempt to interview her, right? But now she's in custody. So we... We have two people pre-identified. They're my two best interview interrogation guys. They're going to talk to her. Um, they, once we get her back to the station, we walk her up to the detective bureau interview room, put her down. Um, they start going through the, her Miranda rights with her, and she says she wants a lawyer, right? So as we step out, we're trying to arrange a phone call with her lawyer or getting her lawyer there. Um, she had taken a pen off the table mm. in the interview room mm-hmm. and then asked to use the bathroom. So we get a female officer, take her to the bathroom. And instead of staying in there with her, the female officer closes the door, Pam then starts stabbing herself in the wrists and in the neck multiple times. And after the officer thinks there's too much time's going by, opens the door, sees all this screams. We need medics and, uh, the odds of us talking to her that day is zero. You're there so, that day. Oh yeah, of wow. course. So it was a trip. To I me. was there every day. Right, right. But we were all there every yeah. day. We were all. It, we were in in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah. A trip to me when they showed the footage of her in the room, and you could see her grab that pin, and then she stuck it down the back of her pants. She almost, and this is just my interpretation, sure. but she's like touching her neck. And sure enough, when they showed the photos of the stab wounds in her neck, she was like, again, it looked like to me, she was, it was almost like, is this a good spot? Like, is this soft? Sure. You know what I mean? It, it was just very kind of, um, 
it had a really strange vibe to it. Like, I know I'm going to go in that bathroom and do this. And that, I mean, that is wild. It's, a, it's a ballpoint pin, but a big like, pin. But like every aspect of her plan, it failed miserably. Very right? much so. And just, wow. So, I mean, at that point, it, she's all but guilty without saying it or going through the court of law, right? Hey, look, everybody's entitled to a trial by yeah, their peers. Come you on. You know, right? So... It, I don't live in that world. I know. Um, I live in the proving it world. I right? know. I hear so you. there's no one could ever convince me that she didn't do it. Do it. Right. Um, and whether or not they were, her defense team was ever able to create doubt in one juror's mind that, that I'm not living in that world. It played right no now. part. That, on that goes later. Right. Right. Um, I thought we had put a, a good enough case together that any, 12 jurors I would, would have had so. no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Uh, in their minds that she killed Lewis McCumberberger. Right. So there's another twist to this thing in her mother, right? Yeah. I, I know even less about that than I do about, um, I, I know generally about it and yeah. I know, um, I know it occurred over in St. Louis County. I know that, um, Pam was, I believe, the last person to see her alive as well. Right. Um, and she fell from her third balcony or or whatever third, patio third area floor to her death. Yeah. Right. And Pam also talked to the staff at the um, I don't know if nursing home is the correct way to say it, but the, the home that her mom lived in and said she won't be. Yeah, down. I think it was like an assisted living. Right. She Possibly. won't she won't be down for dinner tonight or breakfast tomorrow morning. And then they stated they they were saying in that show that the bars very much looked like they were kicked out. I know you can't, you know, this wasn't part of your deal, but turns out her mom It wasn't, was, but I watched the Channel 2 right. episode on it right. where I believe I can't remember it might have been Chris Hayes um was had orchestrated a bag of concrete suspended from rope and replicated the railing and was trying to the swing force. the bag into the railing and trying to replicate what how much it <laughs> how would take. it was found, and they were not successful. I don't believe no. And her mom was in her eighties and used a walker. Yes, and if you believe Pam, had a half a million dollar life insurance policy. Exactly, on her, right? And that's where that part came in too. Sure, you know. So it's like, what an evil, yeah, evil human being. Yeah, that's uh, again. That's somebody else's problem. I hear you. With, right? I hear you. But it's a huge part of the story. Another. It is a huge part of the story. It is a very, very uncanny twist in the life of Pam Hub. And didn't that happen after she had killed Lewis? Wasn't that in the no. meantime? No, that was it before. was in between uh, um, Betsy, the murder of Betsy Faria and Lewis, the murder of Lewis Gumpenberger. Wow. Yes. Do, do you know if she collected on that half a million from her mom? I mean, I'm pretty sure she would, did, but she wasn't the sole. I don't believe, let me put that out there. I don't believe that she was a sole beneficiary on right. that. Um, how much she collected, I couldn't tell you. Right. The husband didn't play a big part in this very much at all, did he? Well, we we confirmed with his employer that he was at work the day that Louis Gumpenberger was murdered. Right. Um, and other than he had provided us some information about their relationship and where he was that day 
and that sort of thing. Didn't know anybody named Lewis Gumpenberger. That played, uh, he didn't really play feature right. a prominent role in our case. Wow. Do you know if she has went back for the trial of Betsy yet? It has not occurred yet. It hasn't occurred yet? Not yet. So she's still rotting away in prison. She's just waiting for, uh, I guess, the next step, right? Wow. Unreal. Did we miss anything about this case? I think you've got it all. Well, I can tell you with the one of the things that happened early on yeah. in day one or two or whatever, it was early, early, was um, we had a detective detached to the cyber crimes unit in St. Charles County, Larry McLean. And when we got the consent and then the search warrant for to search Pam's phone, that was another mother load moment because her, we've got her phone geolocation data as part of that search warrant and consent, um, which shockingly enough mirrored what the, she said, the description of her day's events, looking at all these thrift stores. Um, it also gave us a very good blueprint of where to go start looking for video right. to back up this geolocation data on the phone. Right. As well as um, it put her at the location where Lewis Gumper, Gumpenberger lived, Cedar Brooks Apartments, about the time frame she would have needed to be to then get back to her residence and kill him. Wow. So, so look, I, I got to give props. Number one has to go to the God Almighty. I think he had sure. his hand on this um, long before it ever happened, putting the right people in the positions at O'Fallon where I had just a stud group of people that worked for me yeah. um, to go out and make the magic happen on this thing. So, um the, you know, the the downside is, you know, Lewis is never going to be with his mom again. It's or, horrible, man. Never going to be able to be with his son again. Um, and that's that's just so sad. And the, the part about, like, taking advantage of anyone is it's so, it's just, but the fact that, you know, come to find out he had mental and physical disabilities and and you know for all it's it doesn't even matter but like for what it's worth he he could have thought he was like going to do something cool and and, and well let me ask you this you know if the story was the same to him as it had been with carol do you want to make a thousand dollars cash right that he's looking at that totally different than Carol. Did. Absolutely. He doesn't have the capacity to, to spidey senses. Correct. You know, so like he might've been going to make some cool thing for a TV show and who knows what she fucking told him, but it's just like it, it does. It, of I, course I'm, it makes it worse, but like, I would damn. say that it was virtually identical. Only she had an easier sales pitch. Exactly. Exactly. That that's the, 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 the hard part about it is that like he trusted her. Yes. You know, but completely. So a fact that may or may not have gotten into any of these um, documentaries or things that were, have been made about this case is in between the Carol Alford incident and the Lewis Gumpenberger murder, mm -hmm. she was driving around looking in areas that were like low-income neighborhoods or mobile home parks or apartments, and we could... We could replicate that using our geolocation data and then 
finding people that had ring doorbell cameras that were showed that her car. It was just it was she incredible. Was, she was I mean, scouting out look, victims. I, you know, her destiny was set the minute she decided to do this. It, as far as in O'Fallon PD, yeah, because I was throwing the best of the best at that problem, right? And I think they made, they all did phenomenal work, from the first patrolman that showed up to the day we fi- we finally closed the cell door on her to do life without the possibility of parole. That was there was an incredible amount of awesome people that worked on that. Yeah, yeah. How was that day? Uh, it happened. It happened. Oddly enough, very. I can't remember the exact day, but very close to the three-year anniversary of the murder. And let me see if I get the time frame straight. Probably three weeks before my last day at O'Fallon when I retired. Really? Yes. So it was a way to end a career. It it was an awesome for sure experience to see her finally get justice and allow Lewis's mom to see it happen. It was incredible. Absolutely. In your experience, the, what is that called? Is that an egomaniac? Is that a narcissist? Is that because the way I think, let me explain the gall of a person in, in, whether even 2015, I think she 2016. certainly is pathological. I think she's got narcissist tendencies. Um, I think she's, if somebody, if a, a, a psychologist, psychiatrist were to really delve into that deep, dark mind of hers, they could probably write a phenomenal book as long as they were trusting that she wasn't trying to Manipulate them. Exactly. (laughs) Right. You might never get a straight answer out of a person like that. Correct. Because it's like to you and I, you know, you're not going to get away with a bank robbery, a murder. Like in 2023, you are tracked every, like I think most rational people, most rational people aren't that kind of criminal anyway, but it's like, you're not going to get, you're not smart enough. You, Pam Hupp, we're never going to be smart enough to get away with let's call it triple homicide because well, that's what it is. But like the, the, well, mental... I think, I think she felt like she got away with, well, obviously, the obviously. First one. Yeah. Um, she did for a long time. I think in my heart of hearts, I think she believed that she was so much smarter than everyone else, much less law enforcement. You had to here. have thought that, um, she just wasn't. And it's like money. You know, yeah, the root of all evil. It's like for money. It, that's a trip. And well, I, which isn't why she killed Lewis. Right. That's not why she killed Lewis. Right. She, if, if, why did she, if she that? killed Betsy, then obviously a court of law will decide that. Down of course. The road, I understand. Right. But if she killed, if it's proven beyond a reasonable doubt that she killed Betsy Faria, that clearly looks like it was done for money. Right. I would agree. Okay. However, why did she kill Lewis? What? She never told us. Remember, did, she, we were trying to talk to her, and she tried to kill herself. Right. Would it be maybe, and this is all just speculation, but 
maybe she felt some heat or something and wanted to put it all back on Russ. Of course. That, that's what I get from reading the note, right? Right. Right. I'm feeling it. Let's put this back on the guy who yes. just went through the shit that I did the first place in the first time, put him and, in jail. And why August 16th of 2016? Couldn't tell you. Don't know. No clue. Have there been a lot of cases in your career that it's like you just can't, maybe they don't need an explanation, but do you ever wonder like, God, I wish that guy or gal would just tell me like, why? Oh yeah. Tons why, of them. Why would you do that? Tons of them. Is money a big one? Money, sex, aren't there a few oh, that yeah. well, drive I mean, humans revenge, to Revenge, money. Right. You know. Lust. Lust, love, right, whatever. sure. Um, there's, there, there are motivators, common motivators right. for committing crimes. Right. Um, but again, like anything else, you got to be careful about that. Yeah. Because you might be thinking it's revenge, ends up being greed. Yeah. You might think it's greed, ends up being a jilted lover it, and on and on and on. Right. Wow. That's why you got to keep your eyes open. Yeah. And if you just follow the facts, follow the facts, follow the facts again, you may not end up solving it or clearing the case, but you ain't going to put it on the wrong guy. Right. And then when you have the facts like that, the, the defense attorney, I, I'm understanding what you're saying, but like if you, do it the wrong way and go with emotion. You, the whole thing could get thrown out and you never get or anybody. If you go, if you go the wrong way and make mistakes in it, right. You know, which is what it's perfectly lawful for her to give us consent to search her house. It's way smarter for me to get that consent, but back it up with a search with warrant. A warrant. You follow me? Yeah. So there, there's, we just tried to close as many possible holes in that thing as sure. possible. And I, I think we did a pretty good job. I, it seems so. to me like you guys did a great job. I wanted to ask you this earlier too. Why was she able to not give you consent for fingerprints? I thought if you were a she could have, she could have agreed to be fingerprinted. It just it ended with when the lawyer and the husband okay. showed up and she wanted to talk to okay. them. Okay, and it just they just said enough was for the day. She had cooperated enough that day. She needed rest. Blah blah blah. And I was happy to let her walk good out enough. the door. Right. But you could have gotten a warrant for those too if, oh, had, yeah. had she Abs not consented. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we knew we were going to lock her up eventually. Once we talked to Lewis's mom, that case was all but. Yeah. All we had to do was keep working it. Yeah. So driving nails. If, if if she when she went home that day and we were still keeping all of our options on the table. Yeah. Um. She was the victim. We could have certainly had her come back in and get those fingerprints taken and all that good stuff. Yeah. Did you say anything to her? Do you have any conversations with her at all? Mm -mm. No, no. Didn't just didn't feel the need to. It just didn't happen or no, you don't have much had the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Would Always. you, would you have any questions? Like if you could, why'd you do it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the million dollar question. Sure. Right? sure. Why Lewis? Yeah. And why August 16th of 2016? Or the week before with Carol, why, why then either? Yeah, right. What what did you, what did you think was going to happen, um, involving Russ or involving you or involving the whole thing that made you think you had to kill somebody and then focus everybody's 
attention back on Rasparia. Yeah. How was this movie going to end for you? Let's yeah. say you could you were, you obviously wrote your own movie. How was it supposed to end? What right. were you were you going to be having my ties on the beach somewhere? Right. Like would that have been? Don't know. Anybody's guess. Wow, that's a trip. And you've done this for twenty something years. I mean, it blows my mind to yeah. talk about one of your many cases, you know. But having to do this all the time, that's tough. And the people that worked, like in the detective bureau, and I just happened to be their boss at the time, right? Yeah, that wasn't the first dead body we ever worked on. For sure, and many of them before that. Wow, and many other big cases as well. So there's just a way so to approach it. It's just a lot of our stuff looked identical. If you if you looked at um, big cases that worked from uh, I I took over in 2012 and I retired in 2019. The, the big cases that were worked in that time frame, boy, they sure look a lot alike. Really? A lot of the same titles of the leads run. Yeah. Um, because we had the blue. I think we had a great blueprint. Um, on how to approach things and how to handle yeah. them and which way to go from here. And, and making sure that the same basic steps got followed on every case. Really? Wow. So. A tripped out part to the end of this story for me is that Carol and Russ ended up being together. Yeah, so be it. No, I'm just saying, I think that's that that's a it's a hey, wild anytime thing. Anytime anybody finds happiness in this world that's what I'm with saying. another person, good more power to it. Yeah. Them. It was kind it of It was a trip. uncanny. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. I yes. mean it was kind of a trip, but good for them, man. He's trying Amen. to start his life over and Amen, brother. they seemed happy on that show and everything. So it's a it's a, a kind of a crazy twist to a an even crazier story. But Indeed. Dude, thank you so much for coming in, man. I you yeah. you killed it. You said this wasn't going to be interesting. I, I guarantee. I don't know how long we've been doing this, but we've bored, two hours and five. We've minutes. bored people for two hours and five. There's minutes. no way. <laughs> There's no way I'm turning this off if I'm listening to it, especially if I'm local, because like the guys I work with, my lockmaster lives in Pam's neighborhood. Hmm. He, he was like, this was all next door. He had to drive through the crime scene every day to go to work. Is he on Little Brave, the same street? I don't know just, exactly what. But very close. But he's gotcha. in that neighborhood. I mean, he, this was very close to home. All Most of the guys I work with are out there in that Troy area. I get it. And so they were all like, no shit, man. You know that guy? So hmm. thank you so much for coming over. And, it was my pleasure. And, and thanks, Siobhan. It's always good. Thanks, Siobhan, for letting me you, borrow dude. your wife I, or your <laughs> husband. I appreciate it. All right, man, we're going to get out of here. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. Um, if you you know, have any any questions you wish I would have asked, write me some comments and stuff because I, I, I know Mike personally, so I can, I can ask him and we can do this again. But um, as I always say when we get off of here, man, be nice. Do something good for somebody else, and let's try to make the world a better place and no repeats of Pam Hupp anytime soon indeed all right thanks a lot buddy we'll talk to you god bless appreciate it thanks guys see you later